Hello and welcome to Building Your T-Shirt Empire. This is Cole and I wanted to do an episode live from ISS, so please excuse any uh, audio problems. Also, I kept it to just four companies because uh, some of the interviews got a little long and I didn't want like some crazy two-hour long podcast. Another thing I wanted to let you guys know is Shirt Agency is going to be moving to a new building and I'm going to document that move on YouTube. So if you wanted to see how we're going to be decorating, how we're going to be buying new equipment, uh, all the nightmare that is moving giant pieces of equipment, head over to the YouTube channel. Uh, we're at Shirt Agency, and you'll be able to see all the nightmare that's ahead of me. Also, we're going to probably be posting it on the Bella Canvas channel, so you can subscribe there too. Uh, enjoy the episode. I think you'll get quite a bit out of it, and I hope everyone's doing great. All right, so I'm here with Lisa Foley for Hanes and Comfort Wash. Tell me a little bit about what you guys are offering in 2022. 2022, what a year. Um, so as far as Comfort Wash, that's one of my, the brand that I'm in the booth today with, and that is a enzyme-based dye, which is fabulous. If you don't know anything about enzyme-based, it makes for nicer printing, no discharge. There's a, um, you can shoot it out. It's just a nice, it makes the fabric softer. Um, as far as colors, we have new color waves. We have about, let's see, 12 new colors in the Comfort Wash. We have about 24 new colors in the Beefy and the um, Perfect Tee. Haynes has new Perfect Tee, Perfect Sweats, which are amazing because they have a cotton front. So they are cotton, um, really cotton face. Thank you. Really nice to be able to print on. So those are nice. Um, I would say, as far as also new, I think that our um, women's v-neck, we finally have a women's cut in the comfort wash, which is fabulous. This is really good for resort wear and for sororities, so people need that women's cut. So that's been a big deal. And I, are looking really good. Yeah, the pastels. And all of our new tones are more that, um, almost like the earth tones, clay, yeah. nice mo light mosses, parchment. Parchment's been huge. Um, yeah, just a nice color wave. It's not the brights anymore. Everything's just going more muted. So I feel like it's just all around beautiful new colors, soft fabrics. Yeah, it's a really nice uh, set of colors. It kind of has like a desert vibe or something. Absolutely. It's like that kind of worn feeling. Yeah. Um, so I noticed that you guys are now promoting that you've got 100% U.S. grown cotton. Tell me a little bit more about that. Yeah, so our cotton is in the southeast. And as you know, we get a lot of rainfall down there, but we also we are able to use water from the rain. So it's we're saving a ton of water when we're making our yarns. So everything is um, all of our products now for Hanes and for Comfort Wash are U.S. grown cotton. Again, just leaving a smaller footprint in the world is a big deal for Hanes. So we're really really proud of that. And is that allowing you to deal with some of the supply issues better than other manufacturers? I would say no. Um, we have the same constraints as everybody as far as yarn. Ours might not be as bad because we do use our own cotton and our cotton has been doing really well in America this year, so that's been nice. But again, then you still need to use the, get it out there, make it into t-shirts and have the whole supply chain issue that everybody's dealing with. But Again, yes, our yarn is made here, but it's still we still outsource it. So most of the fabrics uh, woven in in China, like like sixty to seventy percent or something, or what, what, what? Where did the where does the looming happen? 
Do you know where the looming happens? Yeah, so our, um, hi everyone, I'm Taylor Carney. I'm on the product team here at uh, Haynes Printware. And um, we actually, Haynes Printware is a corporation. We own 70% of our manufacturing facilities and it's all done in Central America. So El Salvador, Honduras is where all of that takes place. Um, which is super cool. Uh, we have so many people that go out there and actually get to meet the, the Hanes Brands employees that cut and sew our, our um, t-shirts here. So not not done in China, which is a great thing for us. And, and that's another piece about the um, U.S. grown cotton. I mean, I know a lot of you have probably heard about the, um, the child labor issues that occurred in China with their um, cotton, on their cotton fields and all that that terrible stuff that came out uh, we did not we were not impacted by that because we source all of our cotton from the united states and it's all fair labor super ethical i mean i have personally been to a couple of the cotton farms in north carolina since that's where um haynes brands is headquartered and i've gotten to meet some incredible people they've pulled me up on their tractors and i've gotten to look across the the field and it is just it is awesome to be able to meet the people that are out there in the fields getting our cotton ready to be shipped down the street to um, Parkdale Mills, which is also in um, in North Carolina that, that we get all of our yarn from. So um, it's it's really cool to put a face to a company and, and get to shake the hands. It's like a mom and pop business. So it's, it's cool. Nice. Yeah, that's awesome to hear that you guys are taking like the ethics of creating apparel seriously. So uh, we've been asking other suppliers, what do you see uh, as far as a timeline for things being in stock consistently like the good old days? Are you thinking that's being cleared up in the next few months? Do you, do you really know at the moment? We are look. I mean, from what we hear throughout the just the industry, we're hearing more that Q2, we should by Q2, Q3, we should be back to um, regular inventories at that point. We are going to be, it's going to be pushing because we have a lot of back orders of people that are, you know, because we're delayed. But I do feel like six months into this year, we should be back to normal. So we'll just keep hoping that these cartons out here that on the uh, Long Beach get get their booties rolling in and get those delivered, so which is good. So. Well, great. Thanks so much yeah, for your time. Thank you. All right, thanks. Hey, so we're here at Lane 7. Melissa, tell us what's new. So this year we've added a ton of new colors. We're really hot into the browns, the naturals, and the pastel colors. Uh, and heavyweight is where it's really at. We're seeing heavyweight tees come back into fashion with the combed ring spun heavyweight tee uh, to kind of give you that soft feel that everyone's fallen in love with. Uh, but with the substantial feel and then the heavyweight fleece at 10 ounces and up is really where you're seeing the market gravitate towards. I see you're rocking the hot colors, lilac and sand. Yes. 22. Yes, and the peri blue, right? Oh. The Pantone color of the year. That you're nice. seeing a lot of those tones really show up all over the market. Yeah, it's looking great. There's like a very like natural vibe to the colors without them being too like artificial or too bright. Yeah, and I think it's because you're starting to see more prints that are a little bit more vibrant, so they need a little bit more of a delicate they want canvas. Like a pastel background to yep. their art. Yeah, and after the last two years, we need something a little bit more calming. 
right? We had the heavy sweatshirts to start off with. Now the colors are starting to match it. I notice you've got some kids' sweatshirts now. Yes, we've uh, added to our youth line and really kind of made it a little bit more expansive in the color palette and the range uh, with some yellow, the banana creams and the lilacs in there too. I was wondering with all of the supply chain issues, you guys seem to actually have pretty deep stock. You also haven't like dramatically changed your pricing. Uh, I don't know. Besides, like, what's your secret? <laughs> and then also, uh, what do you expect that to look like going forward? Will there be price adjustments? Uh, there's going to be some price adjustments. You know, cotton's up over 40 percent year over year. Those kind of costs just can't be absorbed. They definitely. Uh, we've really tried to keep a hold of our costs so we don't have to pass on and absorb as much as we can. Uh, but I don't see the supply chain shortages getting out of this until uh, 2024, I think. Wow. It's going to be a buckle a in, and uh, there's not enough cotton in the field to take care of the supply chain. I heard a lot of the distributors saying uh, the same, echoing the same issues yep. with sourcing cotton specifically, getting them dyed, and then getting them over here. Yeah, so you're seeing... The ports are starting to ease up a little bit, so you're seeing all the inventory. All our Christmas gifts are finally being delivered. Oh. Uh, but you're starting to see that kind of unwind, but you still have the original supply chain. It's broken in every single sector. If cotton can't get to the mill to be turned into yarn, and then it can't be spun into a T-shirt and all of those things. And dye houses are backed up because the market shifted in such a dramatic way that no one was prepared for Dye it. houses are super, super busy. They're yes. giving stuff even like up to like two or three weeks later than they say when you contract the dye job. Yeah, it can be up to, I've heard up to 10 weeks domestically for dye. Wow. Yeah, it's it's a minute. But you guys <laughs> just keep growing. I, I heard that you have the new building coming up. What's the plans? Are you we're really excited. So we just, we've doubled in space. We're up to 140,000 square feet wow. uh, with the new building. And we've had secret pockets of inventory uh, to Nabil and Taha's credit. They got way ahead of the crunch. They saw what was going to happen uh, with the supply chain shortages. So they bumped up all their orders for 2020 uh, into 21, which really helped us survive uh, and be ahead of the game. Yeah, definitely. Um, and we've been a really nice hidden gem for people. And so yeah. the word is starting to get out. So we enjoy it while it lasts. Yeah. <laughs> so it's a really fun ride and people are so excited and positive about the product. Um, so we're excited to be able to expand with our new warehouse uh, and really share that with people. And what distributors are you with now? Because so, you're well, not just direct anymore, right? Right. So we also were with Alpha Broder out of their Harrisburg warehouse. So that gives us great East Coast coverage. And then with one stop out of uh, Michigan. Oh, okay. That's great. And that's only been maybe the last six months? With the, yeah. Alpha Broder just started stocking us in September. Correction. Wow. Yeah. So, and they just uh, doubled, tripled their inventory within the last two weeks. Wow. So, they're uh, they're taking a big step up. That's great. And are there any other additions to the line for this season besides the new colors? It's we really focused on colors because we didn't want to get ourselves into a supply chain shortage. So once you already have the gray goods there, uh, colors not that big of a deal. But getting gray goods is the hardest part. So Taking don't. What you're good at is really really uh, excellent for yes. growth. Yeah. <laughs> and the. The whole market, I don't know if you guys have sensed this, doesn't really know what's coming next. Right. Right. We took such a dramatic shift from where we were uh, pre-pandemic. 
what people were forecasting. They thought lighter weights. You're seeing, but you're seeing more baby rib and all of that stuff start to come back. And women's silhouettes, I think, are a few years out from coming back, but it's still still a strong unisex. It's all about that unisex. Well, it looks amazing. I love the new colors, and it's amazing that you actually have stock. So. <laughs> We for now, shh. Yeah, <laughs> nobody buy lane seven. It's just for us. All right, well, thanks so much. Bye. Awesome. So I'm here at Oval Jet with uh, Tom. Tom, tell us a little bit about the company and the, um, and the equipment. Excellent. Hey, my name is Tom Grinstead. I'm responsible for everything at, uh, at Oval Jet. We're 240 Tech. We, uh, we designed and produced the Oval Jet uh, high-speed DTG printer. Introduced it about two and a half years ago have a number of dozens of systems in the field, pushing millions of prints through those those systems every single month. And how do you feel like this fits into a print shop? Is this made for print on demand or is this made for high volume? How do you how do you think people should be using it? Yeah, so we, th we designed the system when we had a contract DTG company. We were doing 15,000 plus prints per day. And we needed a solution that was gonna be better and faster with great quality. So we used it for MOD, made on demand, average order size is just over one unit. But the cost per piece is coming down significantly, so it's starting to kind of creep up into that screen printing world where you, if you have an order of less than 400 units, then you can now take on that order and do it via DTG. And this might be like definitely a game changer. And it's a game changer in that way. So it, more and more customers are asking for more colors and lower MOQs, maybe reduce stock on inventory, just-in-time delivery, and DTG is the answer for that. And OvalJet is a high-speed DTG printer to solve that. I think you were saying you um, had a previous company, and the reason this came about was because you had a niche that you needed to find a, a solution to. We did. We, we had a company called The Dream Junction, and we had uh, two facilities, one in Santa Ana, California, one in Hebron, Kentucky. And uh, we basically did contract DTG to the tune of 15,000 to 20,000 prints per day for a variety of Shopify customers, others just aggregated customers. So with this system, tell me a little bit about how the art goes into the machine and then creates individual prints when it's a big carousel style. Um, are you preloading that manually or is that all web to print? Yeah, once the artwork comes in, once the order comes in via, via the web, by whatever API mechanism, um, we capture all that information into a barcode or a smart code. We then scan that when we deplete inventory, et cetera, turn that into a job ticket. That job ticket flows right into the oval jet. It understands when you scan that at load, it understands the quantity of pieces in the order. So it'll only print 20 if you tell it, when it scans it, it's this art, 20 units go. This skew, this blank good, this artwork, this quantity, and it distributes individual instructions to every station on the oval jet. So if I'm printing a Bella Canvas 3001, and right after that, I have a, a Haynes 5250. Right after that, I have a fleece. It's going to deliver individual instructions based upon the artwork that's being printed and the substrate it's being printed on. So will it actually uh, affect even the off-contact height? Like if you're going from fleece to a regular cotton shirt, will it adjust that off 
contact? That's correct. The head height is two and a half millimeters Combining above the, the highest point. So if you're putting a fleece through there, it's going to raise the head height uh, to be two and a half millimeters above the fleece. That way we accomplish the best resolution of printing. That's really cool. You had a lot of, um, you were talking about different amount of ink heads that it was, how many was that? Yeah, we have, we run Rico Gen 5 print heads, which is a super high quality, high definition print head. We have 16 in the white cabinet, 24 in the color cabinet. Our whites have brilliant whites, white opacity of 93 plus in an L value. And our colors are all, it's CMYK, red and green. So it's six color standard. And um, uh, we print out, put out beautiful prints as a result. And if people are interested, how quickly are the machines delivered? Are they available within a month or two of ordering? Yeah, we keep some in inventory here domestically. Um, if we build the order, it's about 60 days plus transit from Asia. So it's about 30 days on the water depending upon port confusion, right? Yeah. <laughs> We've yeah. all had that, but I think that's getting better. I think it's getting better. Well, that's awesome. And do you have some sort of uh, warranty in place so that people, since it is a newer technology, um, how do you guys handle any sort of issues that do arise? Yeah. So our company is responsible for the sale of the machine, the installation, the service of the machine. Um, so we have 100% responsibility there, and we provide a one-year warranty on everything. Wow, perfect. Well, thanks so much for your time. Have a good show. I'm glad you stopped by. Thank you. It's great to meet you both. All right, so I'm here at the Printavo booth. Uh, hey. <laughs> tell me a little bit about 2022. What's going on with the software? Holy cow. Okay, so three big announcements. One is the new production scheduler called Power Scheduler, which is nuts. Uh, you can manage statuses and all that stuff individually. Then we've got a brand new mobile app coming. And I didn't even Mobile tell app. you about this. Yeah, yeah. I don't think I've seen that. Android and uh, iOS, finally. <laughs> uh, you can do everything you can do on the web on the phone. And then... Um, Will that be like an iPad thing also? or Just mobile, just mobile. Okay. iPad is still through Safari. And then the last thing is a... Uh, mock-up generator. So oh, really? You're you doing mock-ups mock really quickly. So whatever you typed in the quote, it'll pull up those blanks from the distributor, the images, and then you can drag in the, like those transparent pings. Oh, and perfect. Just save oh, it back to the quote, send it out. When is that coming? Nice. Well, Mike actually has a beta ready if you want to see it. Yeah, that sounds amazing. I mean, <laughs> we should just be a beta tester, you know? You're just full-time <laughs> beta, beta tester. <laughs> I think we should beta test that. Yeah, uh, a inline mock-up generator is going to be great because that does end up sucking a lot of time. Having a salesperson talk to an art person, then it goes back to the customer, oh then the customer talks to the salesperson. Get a little bit more to the right. Can I yeah. see it in red? Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's a sluggish process. So tell us a little bit more about the power scheduler. That seems to be your big new like, yeah. suite of tools. So you know, it's no secret, like on the calendar, it gets so crazy big. Um, I had this one shop that texted me this photo of his calendar and his weekly view, and it was like, Jesus help me. And I just see like all the, it just looked like a rainbow that just got thrown up on. And okay. so this allows you to finally have screen printing department work and embroidery department work and finishing department work and everybody has their own tasks that they can see in jobs to be able to check the status move it on so screen printing the statuses embroidery the statuses everybody's just tracking everything um, and so now you can see it 
it'll be great because that foundation we're recording that data and then later i'd love to give production analytics on it hey how long does it take for each of these stages to go through yeah, that's really cool to be able to see your whole workflow and not just say, is the job done, yes or no? Right, right. So what do you think uh, for availability? I know that you're going to now have different price tiers. What are the tiers and when will they be available? Yeah, so um, there's a new premium tier for $399. Uh -huh. Current customers get, it's $349 up to March 1st. And that has the power scheduler. I think we're still figuring out how to price the mock-up uh, generator. It's going to be on probably the newer standard and premium tier. Um, so yeah, we're just keep hiring. We're at 28 people, and so um, the success team's growing, and the engineering team are really the two that we just got to scale. Are you still 100% remote, your entire team? Yeah. How, I mean, it I'm- It sounds really efficient because now you don't have to worry about overhead. You can focus on what needs to get done. There's like less- It's nice. Traffic, we, you can do more work. I will say we were like two weeks away from signing a five-year lease for eight grand a month. I remember. Yes, right in COVID. You dodged a bullet. A huge bullet. So big. A $100,000 a year bullet. Such a, it would have been such a, a drain on the company time yeah. so awful. I would have tried to break it for sure but well allegedly but allegedly <laughs> this uh, I'm so glad that realtor was so lazy they were so <laughs> slow and thank God to be honest because we closed the other office put in the storage it was funny a year after we were paying for the storage I asked everybody hey does anybody want anything about the close the storage unit everybody's like I don't even know what's in there so I'm assuming no Really? We had so much stuff in there. Oh but, my god! What was but nobody it, like, could remember. And stuff? Just desk stuff, people's awesome. personal items from their desks. Yeah. Know. But if you, you, you don't, just picked it up and moved I it in there. And, oh my god! So what have you learned to actually make it work? I think I think the one thing that uh, it sounds cliche, but like really over communicating everything. Like he, he, nothing can just be assumed that they know that. So we try to document all of our processes and put it into Google Docs so okay. people are on the same page. But you got also like rah rah more too. Like we have weekly meetings where everybody's in the same Zoom. We're chatting. We're figuring out problems. That's good. And then we got to do like every month and a half, two months, an outing. You know, just get dinner, happy hour, or something like that. There's a new thing out, uh, and if you film it for under a minute, or what is it, under 30 seconds or something, you can I'm use just gonna new. I'm going to say hi and run, run away. Oh, it's up, Sign up for it. I had Fast Manager, and we had T something all. Just, just sign up for it. And just let him do it. But Victoria <laughs> does it for you because that's my problem. Until I got kicked in the ass to use it. Oh. Yeah, so just sign up for it. Just, just give me your quick checkbook right love now. Love it, love it. We're ready. <laughs> Thanks, Mike. See ya. Um, but um, we're talking about... Loom. Oh, yeah, yeah. Loom's awesome. So it helps. Uh, sometimes writing a paragraph can just seem kind of dense. And when you communicate with somebody just with writing, sometimes a lot of the detail gets lost. Yeah. And Loom helps with those little bit of snippets like, you see this? Yep. This is what I mean. And then you you, you show the error yep. instead of just a screenshot of it with a paragraph. That's how we keep SEPs in line. <laughs> we're constantly looming SEPs. 
Honestly, um, the Luma has this really cool feature too where it animates the first few seconds of the video. Mm -hmm. And so we paste that into emails and we write the person's name on it too on a little whiteboard. Okay. Like, hey, Jane. And if the email's to them for like a sales email or something, it just stands out. Because they're like, whoa, what? Why you put my name? You took a picture of it? Yeah. Um, oh, that's nice. We get really good open rates from that too. Interesting. Love it. Yeah. So, uh, so you do weekly meetings, you message KPIs. each other, and then you still have like a like like pow like staff powwows to keep everybody feeling close. Yeah. Right? The the I think the other last thing is we created a scorecard. So we implemented the traction book, and the one thing is like you've got this monthly scorecard that you review every single week in those weekly meetings to make sure you're on track revenue-wise. Okay. Um, like, yeah. And so everybody's responsible for a KPI. So that's their number that, that they care about over time. It just keeps, like, I feel like at some point the business sort of gets away from you a little bit it, it, and it keeps everybody rowing in the same direction. Like, same same production output or better. Yeah. Of, like, that's the goal, right? Yep. Whatever metrics you decide for each department, yeah. Nice. I was talking to a, uh, a smaller screen printing shop about you guys. Yeah. And they were basically giving every reason in the book as to why they weren't going to pay for the software because yeah. they're just going to do it themselves. Since you run the company, what would you reply to that person? Is it, are they paying to get their time back? Are they paying to be more organized? What's, what's like that thing that you think makes Printava worth it? You know, that's crazy. We get that all the time too. Yeah. And even people that like just bought an auto and they're paying like a thousand a month for the mm -hmm. press and they won't pay for software that's a third of that cost. Right. Um, I mean, you know, the world's super competitive now. It's anybody can buy equipment, anybody can get into the space. So, what differentiates you? And a lot of times it's that service aspect that you can deliver. Like, how professional are you? How quick can you quote somebody? It really cleans up there a place. Is like, there's a transition in the business of not valuing your time and then do valuing your time. And the sooner, you, the earlier you can start valuing the time, the faster you get to grow. It, it, you know, it's like, I don't you, know you have so much time that you just spend it and you'll do it and you won't spend any money. But then when you want the time, you spend money to get that back. I feel like it's kind of, it, your software in a way is kind of like the same argument people have against their first few hires. Is, you know, if I can stay up till one in the morning, why would I hire someone? And they think that they're making the most money by doing it themselves but they're actually limiting their most productive out output by getting sucked into time-consuming issues. Like smaller stuff. So strangling the growth of... I, so somebody put it to me, we're saying, if you're worth $100 an hour and you're you? doing $15 an hour tasks, right. you're literally limiting the, 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 the potential for your business, period. So Absolutely. every single day that you're doing a task, look at it and think about, is this getting me the most return for my time being spent. Somebody the other day, we did a really good process. He's like, 70% of the stuff we probably do every day should not be done like that, which shouldn't be, but that's a whole nother 
we need, streamlining we need to, like, is completely on a, different than just focusing on what you're offering the company because you've been to so many shops, you probably just have all these ideas about how to tighten them up and turn them into a more uh, corporate machine versus something that's a little more sloppy. Yeah, I mean, when I was running a shop, it was so small still, so it's hard to say here's what you should do, but I think there's definitely a common thread for the people who have balanced now lifestyle versus getting sucked into their business. Balance is nice. Yes. So, it's like, so nice. what do you want? Like, do you want to be at the shop 12 hours, 14 hours a day, you know, sweating, pulling a speechy, or, you know, do you want to make a good salary? And, and like, here's a path. Like, so many people have done it, but... We just have to think about it differently. What we did to get to 100K is different than 500K, is different than a million. Yeah. And reaching that first benchmark is where a lot of companies hit the ceiling. They, yeah. they just can't get past that first step to get to the million dollar mark versus 500, like five, 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 500. I think the hardest ever. we ever worked was definitely when we made under 200K. When we were psychotic and working at one in the morning and stuff, yeah, and we were we were making 150k for the entire year gross, yeah. and and we were psychopaths, and we were like no one could say we weren't hustling, but it was dumb in its own way. Like we were not actually doing any useful output. I think you have to though put that time in to scale to the next step. But if you're stuck there. That's where you're, you're, you have a job that you're probably making less than going to get a job somewhere else and leaving oh, yeah. at five o'clock. Yeah. But yeah. if you plan to want to get past that, sure, you got to bust ass to get past that and then launch off from there. But yeah, it's, I mean, you guys have done it. It's, it's a mentality shift. Like, you, you, you can't be in the way. And I still sort of do it sometimes. I'll like, oh, look, let me get in there. And I like, can do it. I can know, do yeah. it. Yeah. But the, even the teams like Bruce, like, we got to figure it out. You know? Yeah. You're kind of like causing problems, actually. <laughs> like, they're like, uh, did you go get a coffee? Yeah, right. Yeah. It's nice if uh, if you have a team that is really in it to the for the win. Yeah. And they just share it in a way that isn't like, can you just move out of the way? Like, oh, there's nothing worse than hearing that. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So it's a good it's good to have a dedicated team that just gently says, we actually have this way. Did you? I know you saw the problem, but we've been working on a solution that we just haven't brought up yet in the meeting, you know? It's so hard to get those people, but... How are you hiring right now? Are you are you personally doing it? Do you have an HR department now? How are you handling um, people? No, I interview, but I don't source the people as much. So the managers for the departments, if we need to rehire, that's part of their job. We also have a recruiter for engineering hiring specifically because it's so competitive in that market. So I need people to send me candidates that are pre-screened that will go through them. Honestly, I get so burnt out interviewing and doing all that constantly. So that really helps for that first layer. I, I knew it was a problem because one day I literally just like blew off an interview and I was like, damn, I need to like get out of this. Like this is bad. You know? Did you take uh, like a three day weekend just to chill? I was just like, I was just sitting in my chair and I was just like, I don't want to take this phone call right now. Oh no. You know? Yeah. I was like, okay, other people do like doing that. Let me... Just give me the give me the final you know candidates that we think can work. Um, 
and delegate it off. So that was that was my kick in the butt. But that's that's, that's how the process works. We use a tool called Lever. Oh, it's maybe like four grand a year. What or something. is that? It's it's called an applicant tracking system. Okay. So it'll set up you a job board. People apply. They go into a funnel, and then you can write notes about them and then track them through the hiring process. And it also has like an assessment thing. So when you interview them. It asks the same questions that you set up. So it's pretty cool. Yeah, that's And cool. then it standardizes it, and you don't drop the ball on candidates, too. Um, especially now where it's it's even harder. But, uh, so you don't get off track in asking the, the correct questions you yeah, need. Yeah, because you want to compare apples to apples with candidates, right? Mm-hmm. Um, versus, like, oh, I just want to get off the phone and forget. Well, this makes it easy, and it, you can put a rating in there, too. Um, and then you got all the old candidates, which is another thing. So oh shoot, now we're hiring again. Let me who's that guy that yeah, who's right. that lady that was really good? And then you pull it back up. That sounds like a really good tool. Yeah, we've I always feel like when I'm hiring it's like, do you like this person, yes or no? And it it takes us two weeks to feel like, oh we made a mistake or this worked. Yeah. It's so hard to like truly know if you're making a good decision. I tried. We've switched a lot to uh, project-based interviews. So literally whatever they're going to be doing, I try to create a realistic example of that. So phone screen, kind of like, an, so for example, if they're doing sales, I say, let's... Um, Sell me this pen. Yes. <laughs> literally that, but it's a clock. Yeah. And I say, hey, I'm going to give you a call. And then you're gonna be the person that's gonna sell me a clock. All right. Yeah. And so what I'll do is I'll just say, hey, I'll say something very general. Hey, um, I need a new alarm clock. Why is that working? I want to see how they do the discovery. What questions are they asking about the clock? Um, what do I need? What do they suggest? And then at the end, I cut it off. I say, oh, sorry, I gotta go. Are they asking for my info, my email, my phone number? Then. Like, if they do all that stuff, awesome, they're great. Let's do it in person, because I want to see how they react and, like, behaviorally are. Um, and then it works great. And that's that's a really good idea. And then, like, other roles, like engineering, we do a project. Uh, support, hey, how would you respond to these three tickets and these problems? How would you self-solve this? Like, literally stuff they're going to have to deal with. Yeah. Um, that's helped. We still get bad apples, but I feel like it's helped. When we were hiring for manual printers, we I would have them walk in. I would have four screens on the ground, and I said, "Set this up and show me your first print." And I just walk away. And we we had like at least a dozen people have zero idea how to print manually, and they'd just been lying. Oh, that they can. Yeah, and then as soon as you actually give them a press to print on. It's like evident, like, oh, you were just lying to get a job, but you have no idea what you're doing. Yeah. You could have said that you like want to learn, but instead they said, oh, well, I'm great at it. Or you run across uh, some weird. really strange problems. Yeah. Some really, like, some, some, some things that you didn't even think about when you're asking about it, but right. all of a sudden it just comes up that they have no attention to detail. Yep. They will just yeah, keep printing, and they'll just be things that shouldn't that should not exist in that job that was added to it for unnecessary reasons. So there's just a lot. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. I mean, try to sift for things like that. Like, are they detail-oriented? Do they have empathy? Because uh, I think if they have empathy for the end customers, it, like, they start to make more natural decisions that you would as an owner. Yeah. Um, 
and then honestly we try to like I, I found like bottom tier type pay gets bottom tier type of team members so we try to go up and then scale from there yeah and that helps a little bit too but again i'm probably two for three so the, the one third like work good fits and eventually they got filtered out and the faster i feel like i give them three months and if it's still frustrating like the last person we had to let go she knew it wasn't a good fit i knew it was a good fit i told her she's like yeah i feel like the same you know that's just a fair like, way to go about it. it, yeah. it it's, it's tricky, I right? Like, if you have a good team, you bring in one person that's just like, you guys, I'm sure, have seen it. It, should, it throws off the vibe of the place. Yeah. People are like, oh, I don't want to get in with that person. They're, I don't want to work with them. You know? It takes down the, uh, the productivity. The morale. The, yes. the morale. Like, they're, it's just like, we're here, we're doing this, yeah. and this person is just dragging us down. Right. Why? They just got yeah. here. Right. You know? Just, there's a, and you know what's crazy, is the rest of the team, I've always found rejoices right. Right. <laughs> right. that person go. Yes. They're yeah. like, oh, thank God. Like, they're like, we're, finally. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. If they're rowing against me in the boat, like, I work too hard, and you guys do too, to, to somebody be rowing backwards and trying to row the other way. It's like, just get off the boat. Well, thanks so much for all your time. We're yeah, excited to start testing the new, the new software updates. It's going to be awesome. Can't wait. You guys will buy a DTF machine. Uh, yeah, we're going to have to look yeah. at this DTF thing. It's interesting. <laughs> we're cutting <laughs> Joni. Live. Well, thanks again for listening to Building Your T-Shirt Empire. I hope you got something out of the uh, podcast, and I appreciate you listening all the way to the end. Once again, we are going to be making some content about moving to the new shop. It will most likely be very dramatic, and I'm sure it'll cost me a fortune. So, if you'd like to watch me lose, like, at least half of my life savings, check us out. It'll be on the Shirt Agency YouTube, and it'll also be on the Bella Canvas one. All right, guys. Stay safe. Have a good life. Print shirts. I don't know. You know, do, do something, I guess. You know? All right. Bye.